Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. I am Pastor Sarah Olson-Smith, and it is a delight to be here with you. There is something very human about our desire to measure ourselves up against other people, to compare and to compete, to see who is bigger, better, best. Jesus' friends had their own debates about who was the greatest, and in response, Jesus does something pretty surprising. Listen to our reading from the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter, to hear how Jesus turns our competing and our comparing, everything upside down. From the Gospel of Mark, the ninth chapter. Jesus and his disciples went on from there and passed through Galilee. 
Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. Jesus sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, friends, grace to you and peace from Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Before coming to the Quad Cities and St. Paul, I lived and worked as a pastor in central New Jersey. And the congregation I served there in North Plainfield, New Jersey, had a partnership with our neighborhood school, similar in some ways to what we have as a partnership with Madison School across the street. The town of North Plainfield, New Jersey, where we were, had a thriving and beautiful Central American immigrant community. And there were quite a few students at our elementary school in town who spoke Spanish at home and at school not only learned the regular reading, writing, and arithmetic of elementary school, but also were learning a, an entirely new language at the same time. There's a really wonderful English language learning program at that school. And so, when I was asked to become a reading buddy, like many of our members were at this school, I asked if I could be a part of this, one of the English language learning classrooms. I had studied Spanish in school and I wanted to practice, especially as so many of our neighbors were Spanish speakers. And I thought the best teachers for me would be elementary school students. They'd be a little bit, just enough above my level that I could learn a little bit from them. So I um, would go into the classroom and most days um, the teacher would be teaching and I would kind of have one or a student and I'd read with them and mostly they would read to me. I would listen to them and uh, we'd, I'd, I'd correct their pronunciation and we'd chat about their lives in the world. But one day when I went into their classroom, the teacher had some assessments to do with individual students and they decided that the best use of me that day would be to read to the whole class. So the students kind of sat in a circle on the floor and they got me this like really great stool and put me right in the center of the classroom. And they were kind of very ceremoniously like brought me to the center of the room and they handed me this book to read as I sat down. And I remember sitting down in that stool feeling super amazing and important that I got to, I don't know, they were just looking up at me and I was feeling kind of amazing and wise and great. And then I opened up the book and I realized that it was a book that was written in both English and Spanish. It was kind of, they both, one page was English and the 
next page of Spanish, the same words. And so I knew that I had a challenge ahead of me. So I started to read, and um, I realized that this book had sort of a repeated phrase throughout it, as many children's books do. And so it, would just, it was talking about kind of the world and kids and how great they were. And at the end of every kind of paragraph on each page, there was the phrase, how marvelous was the phrase, how marvelous, which is in Spanish a little bit of a challenge for me. The word, how to say this in Spanish, is you would say, que maravilloso. And I still, and didn't then, pronounce it very well. And so I remember being there with those students and trying to say, que maravilloso, and the students just looked at me and just shook their heads, and they stopped me. They said, Pastora, you don't, you're not saying it right. And they'd speak it very slowly, and I'd repeat after them. And so then they, we would start again, and every time they would just shake their heads at me, and I would practice again, and we just kept practicing. And eventually, page after page, the same phrase, repeated and repeated. There was one point where I actually tried to turn like four pages at a time, you know, to skip ahead. But there was a kid in the front row who noticed this trick, and I had to go back and go through every single time. By the end, after lots of practice, I got to the very last, que maravilloso, and they cheered. They said, you, you kind of got it, Pastor. You've kind of got it. And uh, they were so proud of me. I think in part, not just for sort of getting it, but for continuing to try. You know, I, as I sat there that day, I think in some ways what I learned was not just the pronunciation of one word, but the kind of joy of uh, being put in my place. <laughs> I was sort of shrunk to size that day from sitting there feeling so proud of myself on the stool to practicing repeatedly over and over again with a bunch of seven-year-olds how to pronounce a word my inflated pride became deflated. They weren't impertinent or disrespectful. They just wanted a word they knew to be pronounced correctly, and they believed in me. They believed that if I practiced enough, if I worked at it, I could get it right. And in that moment, the teacher became the student, and the students became the teachers, and we were all learners together, dependent on each other, in a sense of mutual care, working towards becoming deeper in connection, but also in our learning. I thought about that story as I read about Jesus with his disciples and that little child so long ago. On that day, Jesus and Jesus' disciples were arguing about who was the best, about who was the greatest, about who would sit at that stool at the center of the room. And Jesus reminded them that following him is not about being the greatest, about who can speak the best or who has the most influence or the most stuff. Instead, Jesus tells them that following him has a whole different kind of goal, to be the least, the one who serves, the one who comes in last. And this reminds me of an old television show from the late 90s and early 2000s called, this is this improv comedy show called Whose Line Is It Anyway? 
where some improv comedians would do their improv comedian stuff and they'd get points and it was just a, a, a fun show to watch and very funny. And Drew Carey at the time was the host of the show and he would always kind of give points at random, take the points away at random. And at the beginning of the show he would always say to the audience and comedians about the scorekeeping, he would say, the game's all made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> The game's made up and the points don't matter. In some ways, Jesus reminds us of the same truth, that the ways that we have decided to measure our worth in this world is really just made up, and the points don't ultimately matter. But what does matter is the least of these, about the ways we care for children, for the vulnerable, for the hungry, for the hurt, for the least. What matters is living in a way that lifts those up and pulls us into deep and loving relationship with other people, about pulling ourselves down so that we can live in a sort of place of mutual care and respect, living fully in our identity, all of us, as God's beloved children. As those disciples argued about who was the greatest, Jesus places value on a child. In Jesus' day, children were seen as property, as sort of worthless until they could actually do something with their lives. Kids were dirty and disruptive, and so to welcome a child was seen as sort of foolish and wasteful, dishonorable. But still, Jesus pulls a child into the center and says, Whoever welcomes a child welcomes me. Whoever wants to be first must be last, a servant of all. In the company of a child, Jesus tells us that it's not about how great we are, what we've accomplished, what we have. The things are all made up and the points don't matter. Instead, what matters is how we care for each other, especially the ways we care for the most vulnerable. Any greatness must come from serving, from giving, from living for the sake of those who have nothing, from entering into the world from a place of humility and learning and listening. Jesus lived this way. Over and over again, Jesus flipped upside down the expectation of greatness. Jesus left this throne in heaven to be born into a feeding trough in a barn. His crown was not gold and jewel-filled, but was made of thorns. He brought us life by dying. He was the greatest who became the least, the most powerful who became a poor, peasant, itinerant teacher, so that each one of us from the greatest to the least, from the youngest to the oldest, the poorest to the richest, so that all of us could be brought into God's goodness, so that all of us could be liberated from the scorekeeping and the comparing and the competing that hurts us so much and hurts others as well. And so maybe this was why Jesus brought that child into the midst of them, Children are utterly dependent. They don't do much to earn anything, especially early on. 
but it doesn't matter to us who love them. We love our kids even before they know that their hand is connected to their body, much less that they can use it to throw a baseball or write a check or do anything. We love them, even though they aren't great at anything other than being ridiculously adorable early on. A parent loves a child simply because they are theirs. And this is why those points don't matter. Because what matters is that we are beloved children of God. What matters is that cross that was put on our head, just like little Calvin's this morning, where we are, when, when we hear, you are a child of God. Nothing can change this. We are loved and we have infinite value. Not because of what we have done or not because of anything, all of those great stuff that we do or that we have. And we are loved without exception, despite the fact that we have so often failed, so often forgotten those who need it. And like those disciples, our priorities are so often in the wrong places. We are loved instead because of who Jesus is and because of what Jesus has done. We are forgiven. And sometimes that means that our pronunciations and our pride get corrected a bit. And we're given new opportunities to keep serving, to keep loving, to keep learning. And from this place of belovedness, we can go out into the world to make it better for children and for others who are vulnerable and powerless. We can let go of our need to be great and simply show up alongside our neighbors to serve and to build relationships and to love others simply because they too are God's beloved. Jesus frees us from this impossible task of being the greatest. The game is made up and the points don't matter. We are free to rest in the arms of our God who loves us for no good reason except that we are God's own. And to this, we can say, properly pronounced or not, que maravilloso, how marvelous. Amen. Thank you.
Now we turn to God in prayer, saying those words Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Dear ones, remember the deep truth that you are valued and you matter simply because you are God's beloved child, holy and precious and dearly loved. And may our triune God bless you, now and forever. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way, you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast. <music>